Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I I think, yeah. You know that one is going to be like 22 to 21 again. God, yeah, actually, I kind of feel it coming. (laughs) I tweeted it like two weeks ago. I was like, so we beat Miami so routinely that we are definitely going to struggle bus with Louisiana Tech in a couple weeks. Of course we are. I mean, Louisiana Tech's not terrible. And no. Oh, my God. People are going to freak the fuck out. It's going to be really, really funny. I'm looking forward to it. There's a lot of optimism around the program right now. Yeah. I, 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 it's uh, it's kind of weird. Everybody's uh, feeling good right now. Yeah, it is bizarre. I mean, this is the uh, like the script for the national media. LSU's overrated in the preseason. That's yeah. going to fail. We're going to fire our coach. Yeah. And uh, then we get off to a hot start, and now they're all penciling us. I saw CBS had a video where they're experts. I'm using air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, have us in their national playoff. Well, I, I hope they don't, because considering they're picking acumen, <laughs> it's not like suddenly. I mean, I know blind squirrels and nuts, but come on. Uh, I, I did enjoy that every person on ESPN and Sports Illustrated picked against LSU in both of our big games. I mean, every one of them. That's kind of. I mean, I understand being an underdog, but it wasn't like. This wasn't LSU Law Tech. You know, I just don't, like, I I don't, there's a segment of the fan base that are like, yeah, the media just hates us. I don't really buy that, but no, I, they, I, I just do not understand what they're, per, it's like they're so annoyed with us, like, disappointing them after picking us to, like, be the title winner that now they're just, like, penalizing us for it, which is the dumbest thing. It's like... You're penalizing us for your own mis-expectations? Like. That's, that's honestly how I feel, yeah, because I don't think they hate us. I, I, but I definitely feel like there's this – even the, the Auburn game, I'll at least grant them a little bit more. But the LSU-Miami game, I mean, you couldn't see the flaws with Miami. Oh, yeah, like, I know. That, that one, like, blew me away. People I mean, and I'm, not, and I'm not saying we needed all of them to pick LSU, but you thought we'd get one or two people to be like, hey, you know, LSU's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, LSU has a lot of talent, and you know Miami kind of fell apart last year and lost a lot of players. Yeah, they, yeah, I, I just didn't get that one. So, I guess we have hit record at this point. So, hey, everybody, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. Crank one of these things out like one, once a season. We'll be here for the preseason next year. <laughs> yeah, we we saw that the you know, the leaves started to change color. We're like, oh, we better get out our autumn program. <laughs> no, honestly, um, 
I mean, we have it recorded. I would say it is at least 85%, probably more, me. Um, it's been nice seeing people, like, actually request the show. Yeah, that has been that has been nice. I agree. It's, it's touching. Um, I don't know. I mean, without being, like, emo or anything, it's just... It is a commitment to do this, and we have fun with it. Um, but there's definitely times when it drags, and it's not really anyone's fault. It's just like it, when it starts to feel more like like this is something you and I have talked about many times. Like the blog should be fun. Like it's a fun thing. We should have fun with it. And I've run into this before with the blog too, where it's like when it starts feeling like an obligation, it's just it sucks. You know, you're like it's like another job. And, yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. And no, and that, that's something I've I haven't put any pressure on you. We've been very patient no, because it's all it's always been the, the attitude towards it, particularly towards the pod has been, hey, look, this should be fun. And if you're not enjoying it, I, I don't want to be like another thing in your life that, you know, you, you feel like you obligated you have to do. If you don't want to do it, don't do it like it's a and I know you've got, a, you know, you moved across country. You got a ton of stuff going on right now. Yeah, the timing is weird, too, now, because it used to, like, honestly, the, the genesis of this was, like, both of us had issues making the go show, because they always recorded, like, 6 p.m. Central, and when I was on Central Time back then, and you still are, yeah, and that was always an issue, because you're, like, getting home, doing the kid thing, putting, you know, feeding the kids, and doing the family stuff, and I was, like, yeah. you know, out living life, whatever, doing what I'm doing, um, so we kind of were just like, all right, let's do our own thing, and plus, you know, much love to those guys. We you talk about football a little bit differently than they do. Um, yeah, that's fine. And, so yeah, different point of that view. was sort of the beginning of the show, and it was always like, well, we'll do it late night because that works better for both of us. And so now, obviously, we're on different time zones, so that's a challenge. But yeah, I think ultimately, from- like it, it's, I it wasn't just the podcast. Like I, people have commented about it on the blog too. Like I haven't been posting as much on the blog. I did my better know a freshman series, but that's kind of it. I've ditched like all my week, normal weekly standards. I plan on writing stuff throughout the season when I feel like, hey, this is what I want to write about, so I'm just going to write about it today, uh, which is a little more like you, honestly. But yeah, no, uh, that's, that's pretty much been my schedule. I do miss the uh, big game preview. I'm not going to lie, um, <laughs> but yeah, not enough that I'd actually do all the work on it. So <laughs> yeah, that one was always that's a tough one too. So I don't know. It's just a, it's probably. It is totally on me. Um, not totally. There was a couple of times when we we had scheduled something and I bailed. So I don't want to say it's a. It's all on you. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I think unfair. I, that's unfair. I think I'm trying to figure some things out for myself, and it's yeah. just trying on some different like. I don't know. It's just a phase. Whatever. I'll probably yeah. settle back into wanting to do this regularly again. I just. That's what um, I figure. So, and I, I got no pressure on you. And also, I think last year you bit off a lot when you try to write a column pretty much every day. Yeah, that was too much. Yeah, that that was crazy. I remember when you did, when you said you were going to do that, and I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not here to tell you you can't do it. But wow, that was an ambitious schedule. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's like I go through these cycles of. I have ideas and I'm like, this will be super fun. And then I do it for like three weeks. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? (laughs) And also, and this is something that I hate doing. I know Billy does this a lot. You did this last year where you kind of have a regular column. You're like, okay, this is the, 
you know, I'm always going to do this thing on Monday and I'm always going to do this on Wednesday. And I do have my box score piece. I always do that on Monday. But other than that, I try not to have, oh, it's this day. I need to churn out this piece. Um, I, I just can't do that. It, it, that's when I get I start raining my head to a wall. I don't like I don't like writing that. So, yeah, I, just to, a, I reached a point, too, where it's like I felt creatively not that the writing we do is like super creative writing, but it, I don't know. I, I try when I write about LSU and I know you do too. It's like, I want to say something interesting and something and not for the sake of being interesting, but like I try to think of it differently. Um, yeah, no, you, you want to have an opinion that not only is interesting to the readers, but it's interesting to you. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's sometimes you feel like you're, you're saying the same thing over and over again, particularly now if you've been writing for the site, you know, for 10 years. Yeah. Which both of us, I think you're over yeah. that. And I'm, yeah, I am. Not I'm over 10 it. years. And yeah. And like, I know I still have like delusional optimism has been going on nine years because it started 2010. But what I will say with that is it's a framing device. It's not really, it's, it's a very free form. Yeah. Like it, I, I mean, there's a tone it has to be in, but other than that, I can, I can go into a lot of different places with it. It's been, it's been very malleable. Like yeah. I, it hasn't, it hasn't felt like a straight jacket. Um, it's actually been fun. And I do. And also it's kind of kept me focused. Cause I think it is a way to talk about football. I think people, and, and we kind of were touching on thing and it just kind of struck me. It's like, this program, and I think the fan base as well, has been stuck on the BCS championship game in 2012 for six or seven years. Collectively as a headspace, we've been stuck in that moment for over half a decade. Yeah, I agree. And I, one of the reasons when, you know, when Orgeron got hired, I, I was against it because I felt it was kind of perpetuating – it didn't feel like a clean break. And that's, I said, if you're going to fire miles, what I really wanted was a clean break and to start over. So we would no longer be in that kind of headspace. And the first half of his year kind of played out like that. It played out like a continuation of miles. We're just talking about the same things just with different people. And I really do think the Troy game turned things. Well, it wasn't actually the Troy game in retrospect. It was the Troy game where I think how the, the team reacted to it. That's when everything changed for him. I think that's when he took over the offense from Canada. Um, that's when I think they really, the team buckled down and said, is this our legacy of the, this is what we want to be. I mean, they won every game down the stretch, except for the Bama game. Um, and then they've come out this year and won the first three. Uh, I think that was definitely a turning point for this program. I, I feel as a, they, they finally bottomed out. And bottoming out sucks. But as far as bottoming out goes, it wasn't that bad. And also, I think it's – and I, this is a point I've kind of made several times, so I am repeating myself. But I still think it's a, you know interesting thing. It's not the crushing loss that matters. It's how you react to it. And I think they have reacted to it in about as good of a way as you possibly can. Yeah, it's really interesting because, again – if you throw up what's actually happened compared to the way the media talks about us, it's just such a bizarre experience. And even like you just mentioned bottoming out, like, yeah, that, that was our bottoming out. We won nine games. 
Yeah, we went six and two yeah. last year in the SEC. <laughs> and, and then you look at like Florida State, barely they made a bowl by uh, a rule change, yeah. basically, and rescheduling someone. Yeah, and now they're going to. I mean, people, if you watch, have watched that team and look at their schedule, you've got like Bud Elliott being like, "Where are the wins? Like, <laughs> who are we going to beat?" And look, there was an element of going into this season like that. I mean, this is an, an insanely difficult schedule. Yeah. I, I mean, this is a 2011 level schedule. And I think they're, I think rightfully so, people were looking at like, hey, where are the wins going to come from? And I think people are being reminded it's a pretty talented program. I mean, I mean this roster is pretty loaded. Um, there's some question marks, which I think we still have. We haven't answered all of them. I, I think winning covers up problems. For sure. Which is good. But at the same time, what when I'm talking about turning the page, you look how young this team is. Uh, to give Orgeron a ton of credit, he has turned to his first two recruiting classes. I mean, he moved on. Yeah. If, if anyone is not stuck... I mean, forget 2012. He wasn't here for 2012, but he's not even – he's moved on from two years ago. Yeah. And I think there are still fans – I know there are still fans arguing about two years ago. Hell, there are people still arguing about the Troy game. He has moved past that. I think after that point, he started playing freshman everywhere. It's just like – it kind of went back to the whole – he actually – he didn't just say it's competition Tuesday. He actually meant it. And yep. guys on his team have to compete for their jobs – Every practice, every game, every series. And that's encouraging. It's really brought out the best in a lot of these players. Yeah, it really is interesting to see. I mean, we didn't have a preseason show, and I don't really want to sit here and, like, hash out how we felt preseason. I yeah. never really got to the point of, like, I like all, everyone that would text me would be like, I don't know, man. I don't know if we're going to get to six wins. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't, I'm just not there with you. Like, I just don't see that scenario. Like I could easily say, like, okay, we'll be like eight and five. I could get to that, but yeah, I just didn't see what everyone was thinking. We're going to totally bottom out like that. And I mean, again, bottom out. But um, I don't know. Yeah, he's he's done a good job of you. We had a brief conversation on Twitter about this earlier this week or Sunday, I guess, saying like you felt. Last year, he had turned that corner of like, okay, this won't be a disaster hire. Yes, I, I, I've I've written extensively about it because I was on the site the most negative about the hire, and I For now sure. feel like I'm one of his biggest acolytes. And yeah. it's because I turned the corner. Like he convinced me. I had an open mind. He did what I said he needed to do. So why would I still be harping on him? Yeah, it's true, and you could see. I think the most telling thing is we heard a lot of lip service from Miles. You know, I'm gonna we're gonna make some adjustments to the offense and being the most notable one, and then we would end up playing the same exact style, no matter the quarterback or the coordinator or whatever. And Ogeron said like, "Oh, he's gonna deliver a great offense." Last year, it looked a lot like typical LSU offense with little bells and whistles attached to it. But this year, it is different. Like, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, Cameron posted like at LSU beat posted like how, what percentage of snaps like we're lining up in shotgun and like how much we're throwing on first down like things like that are tangible differences in the way we run our offense. I, I think, and this is where we get into something, is that I think the offense has hasn't performed very well. 
in the first no, it hasn't. <laughs> but what I, what is interesting about it is the failure has not been a failure of trying. I, I think you're right that we were promised stuff before and then it was just more of the same. Here, even though it ha- the ideas haven't all worked, you can see, hey, they're throwing it nearly 60% of the time on first down. Or, hey, I had a problem with this position. I'm going to go get Giles to you know be the wide receiver. I'm going to go recruit uh, Joe Burrow to come in and be the quarterback. He was a guy, he, he saw problems and he went and got tangible solutions. And even if they haven't worked 100% to this point, I appreciate the hustle and that they, you know, I can see what they're doing. I, I, I can see the version of a good LSU offense, if that makes any sense. For We're sure. not there yet, but I can, I, I, it's so close. You can taste it. And I think the thing that holds back this team right now is first off burrow. You, you can't complete less than 50% of your passes all year. That, that has to get better. Um, but it's the biggest question I had in the off season, which is the offensive line. And they had a good game against Auburn, but that line is perilously thin. Yep. And, I I mean, there's just been so much attrition in in such a short period of time. I mean, since he has taken over, I think he's lost, like, eight or nine linemen. And we didn't really have eight or nine linemen to lose. Yeah. It's ugly. It's ugly for sure. And so right now, Craig is a miracle worker for getting that that bunch of guys to only allow one sack to what I legitimately think might be the best defensive line in the country, or at least one of them. Oh, yeah. I think I said pre-game, like, I thought we'd lose for sure for that reason. I didn't see any way that line, our line, stood up to their defensive line. Yeah, and even more amazing is in the post-game, I forgot who posted it, but they said that LSU only – rushed five five guys once yeah the rest of the game was a four-man rush and they were getting pressure if you would have told me before the game that the offensive line that got beat like a drum would be the auburn line i I just simply wouldn't have believed you i saw question marks about their line going in so that doesn't surprise me as much but still i mean yeah but i thought we'd attack it by basically doing exotic blitzes. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of the Randa kind of thing where he sends like six guys. He sends, you know, seven guys, but you don't know where they're coming from. Um, he's just the master of misdirection. And instead, he just kind of played them straight up. Yeah, I think that was Colt Kubelik. I never know how to say his last name. Yeah, and, I think and he he's posted big, it. And he's a big Auburn guy, so. It is fun just to watch Aranda work just because. He's always tinkering. He's always doing something. It's not like – like with Chavis, it was very much we have this really good scheme and we just run it. Like I don't know how to – I'm not trying yeah, to minimize no. what Chavis did while he was here, but it was like we were going to play the same kind of defense. It didn't matter if we were playing Alabama or Oregon or Arkansas. Well, I mean, I think this is that, you know, they lose Kalevon Chason, who's an incredibly talented player. Yeah. And – I don't want to say you haven't noticed the absence of him, but you haven't noticed it a ton. I mean, he just has so many – there's just, A, so many talented linebackers. But on top of that, he's just so good at hiding his weaknesses and playing up his strengths. Yeah. I mean, remember preseason, even now, it should still be a legitimate concern. Is like we don't have a ton of corner depth. Yeah. And we were looking at, 
you know, we're, we knew we could count on Greedy. Getting Christian Fulton was a huge deal, but Fulton hasn't really excelled at this point. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad, but yeah. It, he looks like a guy who hasn't played a year of football. Yeah. Terrence Alexander transfers in. He's not really – he's played, but he's not done anything of note. It's, it's yeah. interesting. I mean, he's found a way to sort of mitigate that. I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't think we've the be, we just played one of the best passers we're going to play too. So yeah, I think mainly it's a the safeties are amazing. Um, That's very true. And then also once again, the linebacking core is there's so many athletes on the linebacking core. It look there are three or four guys who could be first round draft picks this year on this. In the secondary, actually, Delpit won't be eligible. So there's about three guys who, and that, and that's with losing Chase on. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he's like a kid in a candy store right now. He's got so much talent, and it's definitely we're still an LSU team as we know it, which is the defense has to carry this team. Yep. That's that said, it no longer feels like the offense is working against them. You know, the, let's let's dive into that a little bit because you made a point on Twitter that I think is interesting, which is that Atling sort of always had this baseline of very respectable numbers. Yeah. But you kind of never felt like he played as good as those numbers. Like, you're always kind of like, man, another shitty game from Atling. And then you go look at the box score and be like, oh, 15 for 19, 195 yards, one touchdown. Like, yeah, okay. that, was a pr- that was a pretty good game. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like every single game with Danny Atling. I mean, and at the end of the year, he was top five in almost every passer category. He was he was just good at everything, but he was never great at anything. You never felt he had that next gear. Yeah, and Burrow's was, the it, opposite. Yeah, I think that's it. Is that it's you know it's not clicking yet, but you can see that it's close. Yeah, with Burrow, it's like his numbers are terrible. But yeah. you walk out of the game thinking, man, he played really well, and then you're like, God, he went fifteen for thirty five. How did that happen? And I think part of it is that the second to third quarter were, were disasters mm-hmm. for you know, LSU. The, the offense basically took two quarters off. Now, it's better they didn't take a full game off. And if I could choose which quarters you play well, the first and the fourth would be the two I would choose. Yep. Stake yourself out to a lead and then finish up strong. So, I mean, and also, like, even though he's had a ton of incompletions, they, he didn't ever look like he was pressing. It just there was just some times where he just wasn't getting any completions. He's he's unbelievably composed. Yeah, I think that yeah. There's something about like Edling was pretty calm, but I don't know. You could tell when he got rattled, and we haven't seen it with Burrow yet. I'm not saying it's not going to happen, but I mean, even Mettenberger got rattled. Yeah, like if you think of the Ole Miss game, he was terrible, and when when things went bad for him, they went. They went bad. Yep. Burrow, very confident. And that last drive, like his receivers had let him down plenty during that game. And he was confident enough to throw to pretty much everybody. I, I you know, yeah. Stephen Sullivan made, made a huge catch. Dylan made a catch. You know, he Anderson? went to what the hell. He went to D Anderson to get, you know, a massive. He got the fourth down catch. Yeah. You know, he went to Giles. I mean, he. he Jefferson was one who drew the final pass interference. I, he, he went to everybody. There, there was, even though Jefferson is clearly his favorite target, the guy he feels most comfortable with. Yep. It's not like 
he's ignoring the rest of the offense. He he has a rhythm with everybody, and he's confident enough. I think it's more that I throw the ball. He sees receiver. He's like, I'm going to put the ball here, and you're supposed to catch it, and I don't care who you are. And that's yeah. something we haven't had in a, in a while in a quarterback. He's going through progressions and, like, finding open targets. And that throw to Dylan, I mean, I think people have raved about a lot, but that was an incredible throw. Yeah, it was it was amazing. <laughs> and, I mean, I think in history we'll remember that throw very, very fondly because it was an incredibly difficult throw. He threw it perfectly in a very tense situation. I mean, that's a huge play. Yeah, and an inch lower it gets, you know, knocked down. Yeah. Two inches lower, it gets intercepted. Yeah, it was a great it throw. I also like that video because you can see how badly uh, the Auburn defensive back was interfering with. I couldn't <laughs> tell who it was at the top of the screen. But, I mean, he tackles yeah. the guy. And that's something that he would go back to. Burrow, I know Auburn fans are upset about the pass interference. And, and honestly, I kind of – I mean, I understand why they're upset because there was pass interference on the, the game-winning drive. But I honestly, on the other hand, I don't understand it because – they weren't that close. They they were pretty egregious pass interference. It was bad enough that Gary Danielson called it, you know, like, you, man, he really held him for a long time. You know, when the announcer in the game is saying things like that, you've kind of gone above and beyond on your pass interference. But what I liked about it is that Burrow recognized what was drawing a flag. And he threw at it because when he, you know, when he threw it to Dylan for the touchdown, you know, one of his players got tackled, but they didn't throw the flag because the ball didn't go there. And I think he, when he saw his guy get mugged, particularly Giles on that first one, he threw the ball there to force the referees to throw the flag. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a ballsy play, but because they might not call it, but I think it's the right play. He, he kind of forced the referee's hands. It's like, look, you know, you're holding this route up. I'm going to point out, I mean, you're letting it go if I don't throw him the ball. So I'm going to throw him the ball and, you know, balls in your court ref. Yeah, I thought the game as a whole was officiated pretty terribly. Yeah, it was a pretty terribly officiated game. <laughs> I, I, Both ways. Like, so when Auburn fans are griping, I'm like, yeah, you got a, got a reason to rewrite. That's fine. Yeah, it was a poorly officiated game. Um, LSU fans were, like, as I told the Auburn fan in my office, I'm like, hey, if you want to spot us with a 21-point lead, we probably would have had with competent officiating. I'll give you the pass interferences at the end of the game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the yeah, reason it was, was rough there at the beginning, like the clearly forced fumble that they just ruled down for God knows what reason. Uh, yeah, it's just, oh, it was bad. Um, yeah. You guy steps out of bounds, and they miss it by 10 yards. Yeah. And even on that play, you can see Divinity getting spun around on a hold so he can make the corner. I mean, that's how their running back, you know, hit, Broke you know, hit the outside. Like, it was just – and look, I know there's holding on every play, but they normally call the one where, <laughs> that allows the guy to get to the corner. Like, that's kind of the one where like, yeah, we better call that. But then late in the game, they start calling. Like, uh, um, I was actually surprised they threw the flag when uh, – um, what you call um, Devin White went straight up the middle on a delayed oh, yeah, blitz, yeah. and, and they tackled, down. Yeah. and they actually flagged it. I was like, "Wow, they're actually gonna call that now." So, I mean, I understand, you know, it, thirty seconds in the game, you know, giving up a pass interference, you're gonna be pissed. But 
I mean, he didn't even hide it. It was just such a. I mean, I, I rewatched it because we've been talking about it so much at work, and I'm like, it was just dumb. Yeah. Like normal, normally your pass interference you can hide. Like like when Greedy got away with his pass interference, like that's how you do it. Oh yeah, he's you know, so you, good at it. <laughs> you grab the guy and you let go, and you know every you know, and the rest not going to call that. But if you hold it for, ten, you call the guy's arm for ten yards. There's not a ref in America who's not going to throw the flag. I mean, you're just daring them. Yeah. It's very true. I, so I think we're at a point, you know, with both this season and for Ogeron's tenure as a whole, is that we're, we're beyond the how bad could it be, and we're into, like, well, how good can this go? Yeah, I think that's like fair. How, how high can we rise now? Um, and, look. I mean, I think uh, the odds on are that, like, long-term arc of the program – I think the odds on bet is that O is like nine, ten, eleven wins. Yeah, it's pretty. Steady. I, I mean, I don't ever think he's going to be an outstanding game coach. Though I do give him a lot of credit for that final drive. That was a well managed drive. Yeah, you know, we got the kickoff with two two seconds left. I mean, everything about that was pretty. And he started planning it with like four minutes on the clock. It, it, he wasn't taken by surprise. Um, is he going to be an in game coach? I don't even think Nick Saban is that great of an in-game coach. He just has a ton of talent. Um, I mean, he's not a bad in-game coach, but I don't think of him as being like this wizard of play calling. But I'll say he's probably not going to match wits with Saban. That's not what he's going to do. But what he is going to do is he's going to recruit like a madman, and he can put us on the same level of Kirby Smart and Nick Saban by bringing in as much talent as they're bringing in. And we're not – we've taken a step back in recruiting a little bit. So he needs a, a year or two to get to that level again. Yeah, that was going to be my follow-up because it's interesting. Even guys that are playing right now, I mean, it, I guess it's an open question. We'll see how good some of these guys are because they're still young in their careers. But there's a lot of guys that weren't necessarily valued by the recruiting services that he took and he wanted. Like yeah, his I, guys. So it's like, are his evaluations that good? I trust his evaluations, and I did like that he said that. He, he had a post game comment where he said, "I stopped going by other people's evaluations and trusted my own." Yeah, and I, I think that shows a lot about the maturity of him. He's not chasing a guy just because he's a four star. You know, he's like, if this guy meets what I think he is, I'm going to get him. Um, I do like that about him, and I and look, he's been in the game long enough, and he's a good enough recruiter that he's the kind of person I trust his evaluation, particularly for what he wants them to do. I think LSU's problem right now is not top-line talent. I think the guys he has recruited and he has put into the starting lineup almost right away, he's hit on those guys. He, he's not just forcing them in the lineup to make himself feel better. I think the problem is with depth. Yeah. Um, I think our starting lineup is just as good as Alabama's. Maybe not just as good, but it's in the same ballpark. The problem is, is that Alabama's two deep is better than our two deep, and their third stringers are, you know, much better. <laughs> if we even have third stringers, I mean, yeah, they definitely have a loaded roster. It'll be interesting to see what trajectory he puts us on. I mean, this last class wasn't. You know, it wasn't highly rated. It, it was a step back, as you said. So, is that a? 
I don't know. I don't know what it means. Let's, but that said, aren't they aren't they contributing right away? I mean, aren't they? I mean, aren't a lot of those guys? Yeah, that's I mean, clear. I mean, that's what I tweeted something about it. But I was looking through the box score the other day just to see how many of these young guys are playing, and it's interesting. Like, there's so many of them. And it, so, but there's a new rule too, right? Like the first four games you yeah, can play but, and still redshirt. But even then, it's it's a lot of guys. I mean, because you don't just play them just to play them. You know, hey, I have this new redshirt rule. I mean, why risk it? You know. Well, look, like when you're on the road at Auburn and your fucking left guard goes down with an injury, you don't put in your true freshman guy that you recruited as a defensive lineman if you don't think the kid is good. God, that's you know that that was huge. And then he played well. Because <laughs> what was huge about that is that you know Troar has not really lived up to the hype. Mm-mm. So Chase and Hines coming in and playing that well was that might have been the most important thing that happened in the game. Yeah, and you got and this doesn't even that just glosses over the fact that one of our other already starters, Damian Lewis, was a three star JUCO kid. Yeah. So there's your like, and he did not have a great offer list. So it's not like, oh, the services just didn't really care because he was a JUCO. Like, it was basically like us from Mississippi State, I think. So, but yeah, he's, like, uh, you know, he openly talks about him as being the best lineman on our team. Like, so it's, it's, uh, he is earning some street cred with his evaluations, I guess. Yeah. It, it's been, um, it, it's been great to, to see that. And he's he's had no fear about putting those guys in the lineup right away. And also, it's not like he's like biased against Miles guys. Like, you know, Brosette, he, yeah. he gave Brosette the chance to win the job and he ran with it. You know, Devin White, you know, you'd be an idiot not to play Devin White. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see some sort of uh... – I do feel like he plays mind games in the media with the players. Yeah, like Brosette's a the clear example. Like I thought it was pretty clear that Brosette would be our starter, but he didn't really say it until really after Miami. You know, like Man, he, he kept doing this whole committee thing. Oh, we're gonna be committee. We're all gonna play. And there was even an article. They were like, "Oh, we thought we were gonna play four running backs," but and also if you look at it, it's just. After the Auburn game, we were held under three yards of carry. It, it's not like Brissette – he's been really – I think what Brissette has really done well is in blocking. Uh, if you – they can leave him in and pass protect, and he has, he has done a great job there. So he's kind of become another lineman. But no one has really run away with – this is not a team that has Leonard Fournette or Darius Geis. No. I mean, this is a team that has Charles Scott. And look, yeah. I love Charles Scott, but that's what we're looking at. And also, it's helped that the freshmen haven't really pushed him for time. I mean, Edwards Hilaire has shown moments, but, you know, he's still finding his footing. Curry hasn't really done anything yet. Yep. And you, know, Fournette, you know, Fournette's, you know, he's a guy. You know, yeah, he's, he's a program guy. Right. Yeah, and that's that's cool. Like, you know, he gets he, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He, You know, he's he's got value, but he's... He's clearly not going to start. I mean, just to do a quick scan of the two recruiting classes, I'm just going to scroll through them very quickly. Jacoby Stevens, he's playing a ton. 
Chase on playing a ton. Austin Deculus, starter. Tyler Shelvin, he's playing. Jacob Phillips is a starter. Grant Delpit is a starter. Todd Harris is basically going to be a starter this week because of uh, the ejection to John Battle. Kerry Vincent yeah, is playing. Yeah. Miles Brennan's our backup quarterback and has already played. Ed Ingram was a starter, suspended now. Tyler Taylor yeah. was playing a lot, suspended. Manny Netherly hasn't really done anything, but he's still, you know, switch positions, learning that. Narcisse is gone. Sadiq Charles, starter. Patrick Queen's playing. Neil Farrell's playing. Edward Hilaire's playing. Justin Thomas, I don't think, is really playing. I mean, Racy McMath's playing special teams. John Trey Kirkland's probably special teams. Uh, Tory Carter's a starter. Justin Jefferson's a starter. Like <laughs> that's a lot of starters from last year's signing class. And also, think about how many. What I think he's really done well is he's brought in transfers, really to fill in the gaps, really efficiently. Yeah, he's been great at transfers. I mean, you know, obviously Joe Burrow, Cole Tracy, those two alone. But also Fajoko's doing. You know, he's doing work. Yep. And the aforementioned Damian Lewis. Yeah, Giles. Yeah, I mean, it's just, everyone's disappointed in Giles. I get it. I mean, they shouldn't have gave him seven. First of all, yeah, that's, that's for his own benefit. Pressure. Like that's just a bad idea. But he, he's been good. Uh, the guy who's been the best has been Justin Jefferson. But yeah, or, or maybe they just could have let seven go this year. Just said, hey, you know what? Or they could have given it to what you know, give it to Devin White. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like it could have been a Devin White thing, or give it to Delpit already. Yeah, know. or Greedy. Yeah, yeah, Greedy would have made a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I think the number seven jersey they could have given to a defensive player this year. It's clearly where the talent was. Yeah, I mean, not that the guys on offense aren't talented, but they're not the next level talent that you think of with a number seven. And honestly, it started, you know, it started on defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming he must have, like, really shown out in practices or something. And there's still plenty of time. Like, I think there's an issue with him and Burrow being on the same page. And I, I think so, too. Once they get that sorted out, who knows, you know? I don't think the guy magically became a shit wide receiver. Yeah, and I don't think he's played, you know, he hasn't played shitty. He's just, you know... There just hasn't been a whole lot of yards to hand out. Yeah, I think everyone thought he was just going to come in and be like eight catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns every game. And that's, we're still not that offense. Not yet, no. But it, if you can – we have Burrow. I, I think it's, it's – you know, Burrow could catch fire, but I think it's probably safe to say he'll be back another year. Yeah, I think that's – very safe to say. If Miles Brennan can actually like dedicate himself to adding the weight that he needs, um, you got him, you know, sitting for a couple three years, and then he's starting as a junior in this style offense. Yeah, that could be that could be lethal. That could be really dangerous. And also, look, I love the three wide receiver shotgun set. Uh, I the the shotgun set. Allows the offensive line gives them that extra second or half second or whatever. But also just having three wide, it's not just having two guys run patterns. Is it changes everything? I mean, I, I know everybody wants us to run empty 
or you know go five wide or something but let, let's slow down let's let's get the three wide first <laughs> yeah you, exactly it's like uh we didn't evolve we didn't evolve from monkeys straight to humans yeah like i don't need the exotics i just need it's something that i've you know hammered for you i just need to look competent i don't, I don't need it to look uh, you know, I, I don't need this to be Texas Tech. I don't need to be the air raid. And honestly, with this defense, I don't want them to burn clock that fast. There is some value to playing some ball control. Yeah. I feel like, like for, I, by and large, I feel like everyone was really sour about the offense after the SELA game. But, I don't know, Ensminger's done a pretty good job, I think. It's not really a matter of the coordination being bad. Yeah, it's just they haven't quite executed. Um, and I hate that you know, that puts it on the players, but they haven't. And I think they just weren't. Hey, guess what? In between playing a directional school in between two top 10 opponents on national TV is the game of the week. You kind of let your uh, your focus go a little bit. <laughs> also, uh, did I mean, anybody really believe him when he said, oh, we haven't held anything back? Like, oh, bullshit. Yeah. That's <laughs> like the most obvious. Like, of course you found things back. I mean, but what I really liked is that first drive we had against Auburn. We get the interception on the first play. And, yeah, they marched down. It was only a 34-yard drive. Yeah. But it was nine plays. So it wasn't like they were getting huge chunks of yardage. But at no point did you think they really felt like they were struggling. Like, that entire drive, I felt like they're going to score a touchdown here. Yeah, it looked like it. And I think that's where things really looked different. That they put themselves in really workable situations. There was a third and 11, but that was a third and six that got pushed back because of a false start. But they were gaining yards, but they weren't getting huge chunk yardage. And it was just a good looking offense. That's what I, but it burned a ton of time. It, you know, it gave the defense a rest even though they didn't really need it on the first play. But that's more demoralizing. I mean, if you make every nine plays in a row work, that, yeah, that's... There's not enough data yet, but it'd be interesting to just analyze how well we stay ahead of the chains with this offense. Because it, it doesn't feel like we find ourselves in many third and longs, which has always been something we seem to encounter. Yeah, and when we do hit a third and long, you know, we're... You, we, this offense still has big problems with that, and it's it's happened a couple times where they've had a big play wiped out by either a hold or a personal foul. It's, it it, ha, it seems to happen to Edwards Hilaire once a game, <laughs> where he'll have like a fifteen twenty yard gain wiped out by penalty. Yeah, that's that semi ridiculous chop block illegal block whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, that, that was that was a killer. You know that that. Because, yeah, we were in if, – if that play is complete, we're at about the 30, and instead we're back in midfield, and you're in, you know, second and 18. And that's when Burrow started throwing incompletions. Yep. Yeah, so we're at an interesting point. I mean – Yeah, and this is this is what these next three games are for. Um, I don't want to write off anybody, maybe LaTeX. Um, Ole Miss in Florida, they hate us, so there'll be motivation there. But they're not very good. God, no. I mean, LSU should win these games. But it gives you a chance to work on your offense a little bit, try and put something together. But at the same time, you can't 
you can't treat it like practice. These guys, these teams are good enough to beat you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, all three of them, really. So, but this is kind of the hardest part of it because, and I don't want to say it's the hardest part of schedule because it's not. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the easy stretch, but this is the part where you have to stay focused. And if there's one thing if this Ogeron has had problems with, it's staying focused on non-big games. I mean, even if you think about last year, we came out of the gates poorly, and it was against you know BYU, Syracuse, Troy. And even, you know, Mississippi State, you know, the first SEC, they're not a marquee game. That's when this team has been at its worst, when it hasn't been, you know, bright lights, Alabama, you know, Miami, Auburn. That's when they've been at their best. Yeah. Generally speaking, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so, I mean, the, but no, know, in, the, games. in the interim year, he was like stomping on everyone. Which is interesting. Yeah, that, I, I'd like to see him stomp somebody. Um, I, I don't need him to roll out of bed and beat you know Ole Miss sixty-two to seven. <laughs> I mean that, that's just that's impressive, but uh, you would like to see him win, you know, by three touchdowns. That's the uh, that Ole Miss game is when we'll get our offensive numbers up. I would think so. Oof, and also, Jesus. And also Florida. I really want to take it to Florida. Yeah, that one he'll probably have some edge to. Yeah, I think so too. You, to you, try you, and, uh... But Florida's going to have some edge too. That's there are no uh, there's no good feelings in that game right now. No, there's really not. And and hopefully they will not have uh, benched Philippe Franks by that point. <laughs> Uh, that's another sweet redemption storyline. The fact that he sucks after he screwed us over. Yeah, there's a, there's a. I don't like to be bitter at players that you know, but there's a few that yeah. I, I hold a grudge against. He, he's one I hold a, I hold a grudge. Against. Um, I don't quite have a grudge against Cam Akers, but I'm not sorry that he's going through what he's going through at Florida State. Yeah, him and uh, I already forgot the other guy's name. ATN, ATN, no. I don't blame at all. No, ATN no. was in the right. We screwed him. He, he can, you know. The other kid that went to Florida State, defensive tackle. Oh, um, yeah. I'm blanking on his name right now. I am too, but I know who you're talking about. And yeah. I, it's because I, I kind of felt we Cam Akers made us hold open a running back spot and wouldn't. He prevented us from recruiting other running backs, and at the end bolted the Florida State and now he's stuck on a terrible Florida State team that can't do anything and with no offensive line so yeah, it's not I, even like oh he's going to get 1800 yards even if they only win three games yeah I, I'm kind of I'd be lying if I, I was saying I wasn't enjoying that a little bit but like a lot of guys who I don't mind players who just don't go to LSU like I don't have any ill will towards a lot it's, it's more the ones that have those really contested Angry recruiting. Yeah, I think I'll be sour at Patrick Sertain Jr. for a while. Yeah. I, Seems like I, I a will. nice kid. I'm sure, he's a good kid. No, no condemnation on his character so much as just irritates me. Yeah, that that was a that was a tough one to lose. But you know, we're gonna use that scholarship on Cole Tracy, so that's worked out pretty well for us. 
Cole Tracy, who I'm trying to get an end with uh, the fan. I know. Yeah, I saw that. You should totally go and party with him. I've been like subtly chatting with him. Oh, I, I am with you. I'm impressed by the bar. So my pitch right now is to... I, I chatted with someone from the Tracy family. I haven't really clarified who she is yet. I'm assuming a sister. She looks younger. Um, and she DM'd me, to be clear, and just right. said, like, hey, loved your article about the bar, like, LOL kind of thing. I was like, oh, thanks. That's very nice of you, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm just, I'm taking the angle of, like, we chatted a little bit about LSU and about the games and stuff, and she was like, yeah, we've been going. We went to the first two. This was the first one we had to watch at home, and we're going back soon. So I was like, well, if you need a tailgate, I know some guys. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, we will definitely host the Tracy family. We can send them down to Podcat. So I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to get them set up with Zero and Podcat and do that whole thing. And, uh, you know, the once they have that good time, then they'll be like, oh, this guy's cool. Of course we can, he can come over. He can come over to our house. Yeah, no, we can. You have the tower, you know, the, the tower drive tailgaters, the TDT guys. I mean, they have battle shots. Come on. I mean, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I think that was actually the move that's really paid off the most. You know, we were kind of skeptical in the off season. I was like oh, getting I hated it. it. I hated it. I wasn't skeptical. I hated it. <laughs> and it had, it won us a game. Yeah. I mean, Quite without, a, without a doubt, it has won us a game. And honestly, it played in the Miami game. He, he yeah. was great. And honestly, that was the thing. Even if the pass interference doesn't happen, I'm almost comfortable with Cole Tracy walking out there to kick a 55 yard field goal. Yeah, he's he's legitimately good. Yeah, like he that is a feeling we haven't had in a while. Yeah, we've had some solid kickers, but he's he's very yeah, he, good. Yeah, he's next level and that's it definitely changes how you think at the end of the game. It does. Like you, you're not nervous about you're like, "Oh, our, our kicker will, you know. If we get to the 35-yard line, we're going to win this game." Yeah, I mean, that's like the lost the, – you know, the whole loss in the shuffle of the fact that we lost to Troy is that if we had a damn kicker, we wouldn't yeah, we have lost that game. <laughs> and honestly, I, th- I think last year kind of – I did blame O for that. I, I think he was kind of – he screwed with Culp a little bit too much. He did. I, I think it was obvious his one kicker, Gonsolin, didn't have it, and then he just kept yanking Culp back and forth. If he just would have stuck with Culp all year, I think it would have been okay, but still. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Colt must have just, like, sucked in practice or something. <laughs> I don't know. Because yeah. it seemed like in games he was pretty okay. And then it kind of got to him. By the end well, of the yeah. year, Colt, yeah. he, he collapsed. But I think it was because he had been screwed with all year. Um, and this year he kind of went in. Colt Tracy's my kicker. I have total faith in him. And it's worked out a lot better. That's for sure. Um, though he has but it's p- nice to see. I mean, these are all things – we kind of gloss over them now, but like these are things that people really held against him when yeah, he was hired. No. Like, oh, he can't. He's a stubborn dumbass. He won't make changes. He'll just do it. You know. No, I, I've been really impressed that you know he's like, oh, well, we need a quarterback. I think after the spring game, it looked like our you know best quarterback. It wasn't Miles Brennan. It looked like it was Justin <laughs> McMillan, and that was not who was supposed to win. Yeah. 
and this is nothing against Justin McMillan, but if he wins the job outright, you've got problems. Like, and he was the best looking quarterback. And so instead of just being like, okay, we're going to have a bad quarterback and we'll manage, you know, he won the job fair and square. He went out there and got a guy from Ohio state. He, he solved that problem. And I don't blame McMillan for a second for transferring. I, he, he did kind of get hosed there, but he's graduated and he gets to now get a graduate degree from Tulane. So things are actually working out pretty well for Justin McMillan. Yeah, gets to play for Willie Fritz. Yeah, and now he gets the, you know he'll live in New Orleans at the end of it. And I think most people know that he he was the one who got thrown under the bus. But also, it was like you, he's not. I, I hate to be star chasing a guy who's a you know who graduated, but he was a three star recruit who honestly we were probably only recruiting because we wanted Demarcus Lodge. Oh uh, yeah, I mean he was. It, it, the fact he won a job was an indictment of every other quarterback on the <laughs> roster. <laughs> yeah, that's sort of the. I mean, I Miles Brennan should be like thanking his lucky stars for Joe Burrow. I think. Yes, I, agree. I feel like he's. I feel like he's the most disappointing thing of this offseason, honestly. Yeah, Brennan. You know, six. Yeah, I, <laughs> I hate to be that harsh on someone so young, and he has a plenty of you know future potential, but. And, you know, and sometimes just develop, sometimes guys develop in their own time. So I don't want to write off his whole career. But yeah, he should have seized the job. Yeah, you know, and I was super excited about him last year. And I do think he is, like, my impression of his talent has not changed any. He, he is very talented. Um, I'm, a, I'm a bit bummed that he's still like 180 pounds. You know, I'm like, yeah. Like, you have this great cafeteria and a nutrition plan and a gym. Like, and you're 19, dude. Like, it's pretty easy to hit the weights and get the muscle you need. Yeah. He, he clearly just didn't. So, I don't know. But also, I think it's good that he's going to have a guy like Burrow now ahead of him to show what it takes to be an SEC quarterback. It absolutely is. Yeah, that's what, that's what I meant I, in, in full. Uh, like, Burrow will be his biggest blessing. Yeah, because I think the problem is, is that Etling didn't really show how you can – everything you need to do to be an SEC quarterback. He, he, he kind of fell into the job. And once again, Etling was competent. I mean, he, you know, Danny Etling is a good quarterback, but he's not a great quarterback. So he didn't have that next level. And if you're the guy behind him on the roster, you're thinking, well, I'm more talented than this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I don't need the, he needs to work this hard because that's how he gets to the field at all. And instead he can now look at Burrow and say, okay, Burrow has just as much talent as I do, but he's on the field because he does X, Y, and Z. I can use that because I know it applies to me. Yeah. And also, by the way, still working his ass off the way Danielle did. Yeah. According to all reports. That, yeah, that's you know. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. it the, the biggest message for him is he just needs to be patient and he needs to say, my time will come, and I, I don't need to go anywhere. You know, and it's hard for him to be bitter about the transfer because they were trying to hand him the job, and he didn't oh, yeah. seize it. And I think in his heart of hearts, he know when he goes, home, you know, back to the dorm, he knows that's on him. He, you know, he could have had the starting job, but he didn't seize it. Yeah. And you know, that's a good motivator. Yeah, these are the things that sort of make or break great quarterbacks. Like, how's he going to take this news? Will he just be like, well, 
oh well, and sort of go with the flow, or is he going to take it as a challenge to get himself better? Yeah, because I also think the LSU still looks like they're invested in him. It was sort of like with with Narcisse. They were still invested in Narcisse, and he just didn't want to wait the year. That's a guy I'm a little more irritated with. Yeah, and it seemed like he would even play this year. Yeah, they were trying to put in packages for him, and I mean, McMillan was for him. It was clear that they were never going to let McMillan start. He was going to see the field, but they did not want him starting. But Narcisse, they were going to, and also they stood by their commitment by him when he was hurt. It's not like they've been holding him back. He's been hurt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he finally gets a chance to see the field. They're going to, you know, find some ways to get him on the field. And he's like, nah, I'm going to bolt a Juco. I'm not, you know, I don't quite have the negative vibes towards him. But at the same time, I'm, eh, that sticks in my crawl a little bit. Yeah, it was a puzzling decision. It'll be interesting to see where he winds up. I mean... I don't know how he's doing in Juco early on, but there's a lot to overcome there. I mean, yeah. It's a lot to overcome like, for him to be like a legitimate starting quarterback. Yeah, like I, I feel if I could avoid going the Juco route, I would do everything I could to avoid it. You think he'll wind up at Auburn? I feel like that's where he's going to go. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, it, who knows where he'll end up. I, I, I That was always his flirtation and commitment for a while, you know. But it's just, man. Once you go the JUCO route, it, it, you know it's the wild. It's still the wild west out there. Mm-hmm. You know it's and guys just get lost. Yeah. And so, you know, Godspeed to him. But I, I don't know if I would have risked because you fa- just fall off people's radar. I mean, like once again, like Burrow got lost the job, and he, you know ended up buried on the death chart but it was at Ohio State so when he said hey I want to go you know I want to transfer he had suitors and part of it was because he's an Ohio State quarterback yeah I'm looking at the I'm just taking a peek at Auburn's depth chart too just out of curiosity well Stidham's there for another year right yeah this looks this says he's a sophomore, but that's not right, is it? Well, he, yeah, he plays he played for Baylor, so there's no way he could be a sophomore. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I think this thing, this list, must be wrong. I mean, he could be a junior. I think that makes a lot more sense. He's another guy that like, like he's a perfectly fine player, but the way. The media talks about him is just sort of bizarre. Yeah, they they latch on to certain guys. Yeah, he's a junior. And well, I made it a point in the piece I wrote last week that it's sort of, admittedly, Auburn has been to the national championship and the SEC championship and won the SEC championship at least once in the last half decade and LSU hasn't. Okay. And so I get those things, but in basically every other facet, these programs are the same. Yeah. And basically LSU has been consistent and Auburn hasn't. It's, would you rather have the highest highs and the lowest lows or would you rather, you know, win eight, nine games every year? But it's so bizarre because people act like we're always on the brink of tumbling down into nothingness. 
Yeah, they never treat them that way. Yeah, that's the weird part. Because Auburn is the school much more likely to, you know, (laughs) churn out a, you know, four and seven season at the drop of a hat. Yeah, to, like, get busted for some giant recruiting scandal and then have... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, which you know, Bama ratted them out for. So, <laughs> uh, it is satisfying to have beaten Auburn two straight years. So, uh, you know, they won the SEC West last year, but you know, scoreboard. Or, you know, for our sta- you know our standpoint, um, our bugaboo right now is is Bama, um, but we can't even be thinking about that right now. You know, get through these first this first three games. Get through you know the La Tech, Florida, Ole Miss stretch. Should you should be six and zero, and then comes really how your season's going to go: Mississippi State, Georgia, Bama, all at home. Uh, you have to win one of those games, and really you should win two. But that's a tall order. Those are three great teams. Yeah, I I was telling my buddy the other day, like, I feel confident that we'll beat State, but then I kind of forgot that it was sandwiched in between Bama and Georgia. Yeah, that's a... That's just a, what a I, shit sandwich. The good news is they're all at home. Yeah. You know, it, if you get to choose, you want to play your toughest games at home. So, and, you know, really, Georgia becomes such a huge game because you win that... You start thinking big. Yeah, you lose to Georgia. It, it become, Mississippi State becomes a must-win, but you're really just trying to go six and two in the SEC again. You did that last year, and that's nice. But I'm not going to turn my nose up at it. I mean, this is a program that could use a ten-win season, but there's a real chance to do something special. You know, you that Georgia game's huge. It's it's going to be one of the biggest games in Tiger Stadium in quite some time. It's going to be interesting. You think the Georgia game will be bigger than the Bama game? I think you can lose to Bama and still make the playoffs. That's I, a good I think, point. I think the emotion of the Bama game will be more. Yeah. But I, I think the Georgia game actually matters more. I see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, that's the. It's a fascinating little scenario. They probably more. I think last year you and I were in sync with Bama of it being like a not so great Bama team. Yeah. And the fact that they won the title is sort of soul crushing because now you look at the team they have this year and you're like, God, like it feels so yeah, they, damn inevitable. Like it just yeah, feels they, inevitable. I do feel we're one of the few teams in the country that can beat them. That said, I do think Bama's a lot better than we are. I think Bama's better than everybody. Yeah, clearly. I, I, this is how good Bama is, and this is depressing. Clemson beat Texas A&M by two points in a game that actually swung on Texas A&M on the worst rule in football, fumbling the ball while reaching for the pylon. A&M very well could have won that game, and Clemson is the number two team in the country. As it stands right now, Bama is a 28-point favorite against Texas A&M. <laughs> All right, they took the number two team in the country down to the wire. They were a two-point conversion away from tying and sending it to overtime, and they are a 28-point dog to Bama. 
Yeah, it's wild. I, I mean, that's the level they're at right now. Tua makes all the difference. God, uh, they're good. Uh, I, I don't think they've played a good team yet. I think Louisville's pretty bad. Yes. Ole Miss isn't good, but uh, 62-7, to 62-7. Yeah, and it, it, that game started horribly for them. So it's not even like, oh, they just steamrolled them and... Yeah, no. They were down 7 like, nothing. They had every reason to sort of have a shit game, and then I was like, eh, fuck that. We're done. Oh, they're, God, they're so good. Uh, this is really a full-on, we-can-destroy-you team right now. Yep. And you're right. It, it's Tua. It's, it's, it's having that kind of quarterback changes everything about that team. Now, I do think there are some weaknesses on this Bama team. I'm, I'm not that impressed with their secondary, at least on paper. Though they did shut down Ole Miss, so what do I know? <laughs> you know, um, this isn't quite the terrifying offensive line they've had in the past. I mean, it's still Bama. It's still good. Uh, there's there's at least – you can point to units and say, hey, hey, they might not have the best defensive line in the conference. I mean, they're great. But I think Mississippi State and Auburn probably have better defensive lines. So there's actually like units where they're not – they have the best this, the best this, the best this. And that's kind of how every, most years are. It's not just that Bama's the best team. It's like they're each individual unit they're the best at. There's at least a few units. You're like, oh, okay, well, you know, this team – you know, Auburn has better receivers. Well, Georgia has better receivers. But there's, there's not many weaknesses. This team is so complete. I mean, Tua does – it does just change the whole complexion. It shows the value of a great quarterback. Yeah, they've never had a quarterback like this. It's interesting. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. So yeah, we don't. They're actually to, kind of fun to watch now. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it for a month and a half. We'll 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 burn that bridge when we get there. But I think we'll play them tough. I don't want to concede just yet. Yeah, I mean, if they keep playing like this, I don't think it'll matter that we could be undefeated. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going... I From the media's are, perspective. We're going double-digit underdogs just because yeah. it's Bama. And, but I don't think anyone will hold that. I don't think anyone's going to hold a loss to Bama against you this year. Yeah, I, I, doubt uh, I, I mean, I mean, I don't think any team. They're just. It depends on how the rest of the year goes. Because remember, it's still September eighteenth. Let's. I don't want to handle the national title just yet. I mean, we, we have beaten two top ten teams right now. So, LSU's got a resume they can put up against anyone right now and feel confident. Oh, we have a better resume than anyone right now. Yeah. But this is where everybody's resume catches up, so. It helps to, you know, like, Miami has turned around and played reasonably well. Yeah, I heard people, like, kind of bash how they played against Toledo. They beat Toledo by 30 points, and Toledo yeah. won 11 games last year. Toledo's good. Toledo's good. Yeah, and, and they killed them. It was a, the spread on that game was ten points. They won by thirty. Well, let's not. 
let's not pretend they struggled against you know directional state. Toledo's actually, yeah, they can play. You know, that was kind of a game that a lot of sharks were picking. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, but I know you know we're we have all this optimistic take on how well LSU looks right now, and it still comes back to Bama's a lot better. So, as much as you want to say we want to talk about something different, it always comes back to that. <laughs> well, I I do feel look it's September, okay. Um, I think we've cleared one hurdle of the biggest hurdle being we didn't hire some shitty coach. I agree. Run the program into the ground. I totally agree. Um, and so people can kind of chill out on that narrative and trust, have a little more faith in some of the decisions he makes because he's he's earned it a little bit. So um, we'll see what happens. But I also think just having big, exciting wins that everybody feels good about. Yeah. It, it, we, the Auburn win here is probably – the best win the program has had and I don't even know. I mean, like, we beat Auburn last year, and they won the SEC West, but it didn't feel the same. At the time of the game, it didn't feel as important. Mm-hmm. This one felt different. Well, it was almost, I mean, honestly, last year felt a little bit like a fluke. Like, oh, we got pretty lucky. Yeah. And this year was like, oh, we outcoached them. <laughs> like, yeah. And also, I mean, it's, yeah. it's weird to listen, like, like listen to solid verbal and hear Dan Rubenstein say, like, uh, LSU looks like a pretty well coached team. Like, those are things yeah. that just don't normally get said about us, I guess. So yeah, so it looks like a good team. You'd like them to, you know, put the put the screws to somebody, either Ole Miss or Florida, just to get a little bit of hype going, and then get into the the big home stretch. Yeah, it'd be nice. Let's finish out this little run of the schedule. Uh, yeah, there's nothing else. It'll be fun going into November. Still a contender. Still playing meaningful football. Yeah, and we'll let November fall where it may. Exactly. A lot of football ahead. Yeah, there is. But this was some of our most meaningful games. Yeah, it's a hell of a start. I think it's a much better start than people anticipated. They looked really damn good against Miami. Yeah, and it, yeah. it's not just that they won. It's They looked good. I mean, they dominated Miami. I, I know it wasn't as big on the, on the stat sheet, but that game was over pretty quickly. Yeah. My, Miami looked pretty helpless. And well, we it looked like... For a moment, it looked like the two—the the difference in the 2011 team was that they never took their foot off their throat. <laughs> but I agree. It, for a moment, it was like every 2011 game was basically like, ah, we're kind of fucking around. And all of a sudden, it was like, ah, we're done with you. <laughs> then it was just like we devoured you. God, the Auburn game, it, it looked like this team, well, they came out of the gates. About 20 minutes of that game, I'm like, we're going to blow these guys out. Yeah, it looked like it. And, uh, you know— Poser's law. We only had a 10-point lead. Uh, LSU should have built a much bigger lead than that. They they got inside the 40, I think on all four of the first drives of the game, only came away at 10 points. Yeah. You just, you just can't do that. 
I mean, in in uh, opposition to that thought is that it actually ended up showing us some probably pretty good traits about our team and how tough they are. I agree. That it, they didn't wilt when, like, they didn't take the big lead that they probably deserved and fought back after going down, never quit. Yeah, and look, when – when they were down 21-10, because Auburn scored right out of the gates in the second half, Auburn looked like the better team the entire third quarter and just couldn't score points. So they kind of had their own period where they thought, hey, we should have a 20-point lead right now. Yep. But it never happened, and that was the part that was really resilient. They just kind of kept waiting for their moment. And then, you know, Dylan, you know, has a 70-yard touchdown. Yeah, by the way, why does everyone on LSU Twitter give up when LSU goes down by, like, 10 points? Jesus, what the fuck? I mean, ten, it's, it's 10 points. 10 points. Not, people were like, oh, this one's done. We're like, what? There's, like, 20 minutes left in the game. Yeah, it, it's crazy to me. Like, I don't get that at all. Like, you're not out of it until you're at least down two touchdowns. At and, least, yeah. Yeah. And if you're down two touchdowns with seven minutes to play, you're still not really that done. If you have the ball. Yeah. Yeah, that t- yeah, the whole, oh, we're done. I was like, Jesus. I also don't, I mean, I tweeted about it. Yeah. And I was being snarky, but I'm like, I, I still don't get it. Like, what does it do for you to be like the first one to be like, oh, we're done. We're done. Did everyone yeah, see no. that tweet that I made at 128 p.m.? I called it once. I was the one who called it. I'm the, you know, I'm the smartest. <laughs> no, it's it's something that's always bothered me about the quote unquote realistic fan, like the super pessimistic guy. Well, I'm just being realistic. Yeah. Oh God. It's the worst. And also, that's the I I will maintain people show their bias for their team not by overhyping them, but by being overly critical of their flaws. That is actually the sign of the homer. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, is when they're just like, oh, well, no one has an offensive line as terrible as you know, LSU. Same old LSU. Yeah, that's a very, you know, LSU fan kind of thing to say. But, like, fans of other teams do it, too. Uh, it's 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 infuriating. I can't. And also, it's just I don't like watching a game with a guy like that. No, it's not fun. Yeah, just fucking cheer. Whatever. Have another beer. Chill the fuck out. Well, it even reached like, I remember thinking midway through the third quarter when we were down, I was like, I don't think we're going to win this game. It's not done. But I don't think we're going to win. But you know what? I don't feel that disappointed. Like, I was like, we're playing pretty hard. Yeah. Team yeah, playing pretty so- well. It's like sometimes you just play a better team, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't get people. Some people just want to be miserable. And then they want to brag about it. <laughs> This thing that I dedicate so much of my life to, just hate it so much. Yeah, like what's wrong with you, man? Like, yeah. So, yeah, don't be that guy. Enjoy the thing. Enjoy your hobby. Yeah, you you've done a you always do a good job of keeping as your reframe. That like we get like eleven or twelve of these a year. So, yeah, just yeah, just. Chill out, just a te- yeah. Like people were panicking over Celo that we only beat him thirty-one to nothing. Beat him thirty-one to nothing, and they're like, "Oh, the game was an embarrassment." Let me tell you something: no one who wasn't an LSU fan watched the game. No, yeah, no one's gonna remember that. No, yeah, 
across the country, what they did is they opened up, you know, they opened up ESPN.com, looked and saw the score. Like, hey, yeah, they're 31 to nothing. That seems about right. And then they moved on with their lives. <laughs> I mean, 31 to nothing doesn't even cause casual interest in a, you know, a fan to be even think about what the score, what happened in the game. Like, oh, LSU shut out, you know, directional school. Oh, yeah, seems about right. You know, like, I don't get the anger. At least we're not Texas. Yeah, at least we're not. Eh, Texas two and one. Dude, it's an amazing. It is literally amazing that we get to play them next year. Oh God, I'm so considering powerful. like the Herman thing and uh, like that, that's great. That is great. Yeah, we're gonna. Oh God, we're gonna go in there. And we're just gonna house them. It's gonna be, oh. There's gonna be some juice to that game, though. Yeah, there will be. But no, I mean, even good hires. You look around. It's just like. You look at uh, um, what you call it, uh, um, Brom, kind of getting smacked around a little at Purdue. Yep. I mean, no, no hires looking good right now. I, I feel bad for feel bad Justin for Fuente. Yeah, Justin Fuente looks good, but I feel bad for Taggart. I, I mean, it's. Um, this is where I, uh, I will play the race card and say there are f- so few black head coaches at major programs. That's like true. I'm talking like elite programs. You need a few of them to succeed. And with Charlie Strong just bombing out at Texas, for Willie Taggart to then fail at Florida State, it makes it that much harder for the next hot black coach to get that caliber of a job. Yeah. That's, That's true. Said I, I enjoy too much for me to put, you know, that much thought into it. Someone randomly commented on one of my terrible YouTube videos from like two years ago. Sorry. Oh, that's, all, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I got randomly distracted. Uh, the, the thing with Taggart, though, is he sort of burned Oregon, right? Like, yeah, no, he's shitty what he did. It is. It's totally shitty. Beyond that, I was never that enamored with him. Like, his record is not very good, but he is beloved by, like, the media just thinks he's the next great thing. Yeah, and... I don't know if it's a Harbaugh tie or what it is. Speaking of guys who are just beloved by the media that have really done nothing to justify the reputation. I mean, Harbaugh's written a lot of... He has written a lot of checks, and he can't cash any of them. Yeah, that's been disappointing. Yeah, we kind of. I kind of want a good Michigan. Yeah, I kind of like Harbaugh. He, like he's dumb as hell, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I like that he trash talks the SEC. Like we could use more of that. But oh, you got to win games, man. Harbaugh was sort of. I feel like he is sort of like he's totally an asshole, but he's probably like a decent person. Okay. Whereas, like, I, Urban I, I, Meyer is just like utter scum. Yeah, Urban Meyer is just a bad person. <laughs> I don't know. I, look, most football coaches are terrible narcissists. You know. Yeah. They run the line on human character. Yeah, it's just the kind of person who becomes a football coach, and also to be willing to put in those kind of hours away from your family and stuff like that. You know, you're not the. You're not the most well-adjusted human being, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, they, it, 
to your earlier point, it is interesting. A lot of these hires, the superstar, sexy hires. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like none of them are working out. And then even like Bizarro hires, like Herm Edwards, kind of working. Like at least through three well, weeks. Yeah. I know they lost a disappointing game last week, but yeah, it it goes to show that I don't want to say coaching doesn't matter because it does, you know. But I do think at the end of the day, the actual program matters more unless you get like a, a Nick Saban the actual you know athletic director what's going on with your program might matter more than your head coach yeah I think I definitely if I were an athletic director in position to hire a coach I would have much less interest in like what sort of schemes you wanted to run and much more interest in how do you want to run a program like, what, yes. what do you think about running a program? And everyone made fun of it at the time, but the damn binder, like, if anything, Ogeron showed, like, he had a vision for running the program. I agree. He's like, this is how we're going to do things. Also, he showed, he's like, this is what I did at my previous job wrong. This is what I learned. Mm-hmm. I worked under this guy, and this worked. So this is what I learned from him. Like those are the, those are standard interview questions. It's true. You know, he, he did treat it like an interview. I, I do like that. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, we haven't seen like like PJ Fleck was a name that had a ton of steam. Yeah, now he's at Minnesota. I mean, what are you gonna? Uh, it's you lose all steam when you go to Minnesota. Yeah, but aren't they like two and zero? Yeah, they are. They're about the only team in that conference, you know, that division that's doing well. The Big Ten is a... God, I thought they were going to be good this year. They're a real mess. I was real high on the Big Ten, and it's it's been awful. I mean, just... I Really, I thought it might be better than the SEC this year. And instead, it is a tire fire. Well, they did hire the greatest offensive coach in history, Matt Canada. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, that sums up the Big Ten perfectly. Beat Texas, lose the Temple. Jesus. Uh, I I don't even know how that's possible. I wonder, yeah, there was a lot of, like, after that Texas game, there was a lot of, like, Ed Ogeron let this guy go? What's wrong with that? Yeah, you're like, did you not witness last season? (laughs) Like... Uh, and also, like, there comes a point where, yeah, he might he might be a brilliant offensive mind. Let's even concede that. If two guys can't work together, they shouldn't be on the same staff. Yeah. And head coach wins. You know, if there's a head coach and an offensive coordinator and they don't get along, the offensive coordinator has to get another job. That's just how it works. That's the way it goes. Yeah. So, and yeah, I think sometimes personality should dictate jobs. Hell, I think one of the problems with Les Miles is how much he and Oliva didn't go on. It is. It has to be, yeah. I mean, there comes a point the relationship got so toxic, you had to move on just because they couldn't work together. And now Coach O is going to save Oliva's job. That's going to piss me off, but okay, yeah. So, who, I don't remember who it was that tweeted, like, 
because the Vandy athletic director retired or whatever, and he was like, it's a very <laughs> desirable job. I'm like, oh, no, Joe. Yeah, oh, no, please don't. No, <laughs> don't. Please. Stop. Stop. No, come back. Man. Yeah, I, I don't see how that would be amazing. I don't see how the Vandy athletic department, uh, athletic uh, director job is that uh, desirable. Didn't they try to get rid of the position a couple years ago? <laughs> Did they? They got a great baseball team. Yeah, but like it seems like they've always kind of toyed with the idea of not really competing. Yeah, and just cashing the checks, which isn't what I think ADs want to. That's not how ADs are wired. Probably not. Yeah. And Joe really tried to level up his sort of going from Duke to LSU. He's clearly yeah. aiming for sort of more prestige. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I do understand that it's his job to suck as much money out of us as possible. But he has that guy has no PR finesse. And that job actually is PR. All right. I I think we did it. I think we did. We're back. We're back. 90, almost 90 minutes of podcast. All right. Just uh, plant our flag. Sneaky good is back. All right. One night only reunion. Woo! Now we're going to crank out like six in three weeks. It's true. This is now a daily podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh.